Hi there. Welcome back to another episode of the Mind Your Liberty podcast, where we try and look at liberty, what it is, why you should care about it, and how to defend it. Now, I miss July. If you've been following along, you know I had a goal of getting a podcast out every episode this every month this year, and uh, well, I failed at that. So I don't make, want to make excuses, but it has been very busy summer. And so I want to apologize to you and thank you if you are following along and you've stuck with me so far and are curious where the Mind Your Liberty podcast is going. I just want to let you know, I just repaid for the domain for another two years, So, and I re-upped for Podbean for another year, the hosting service, so I'm invested. So I think I'm kind of getting into that sunk cost fallacy, but I do want to continue it. It is something I'm still interested in. It's just there's a lot of other higher priorities that actually pay the bills that uh, have taken priority. So that's just the way it is. So today I do want to make this uh, podcast worth your listening. So first of all, I'm going to just kind of share an update on my life. And I'm going to do this podcast episode in a couple different parts. So the first part, I'm going to share kind of a testimony update on my life, a little personal touch. And then secondly, I'm going to start into another segment where I'm going to talk about the enemies of liberty. Now, since I started the podcast and originally started brainstorming, I've had a series in my mind called Enemies of Liberty. And so I've got a whole bunch of topics and stuff written down. So towards the end of this episode, I'm going to go ahead and do the first of those enemies of liberty. And I'll tell you about it when I get to it. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about what's going on in my life this uh, this year, why the podcast has been delayed, and just share a testimony of praise to our great God. And uh, so I'll go ahead and get into that, and then we'll get into the second part when we get to the second part. So first of all, I just want to say that uh, God has been good to me, and I've been in industrial maintenance for my day job for the past about, I don't know, eight years, ten years, somewhere around there. And that's been beneficial. It's paid the bills. I enjoyed it. Learned a lot. It was great, and I th- I'm thankful for it. But I was sensing that it was time to move on. And mostly, I wanted to get off of third shift, and I believe that that's what God had for me. And uh, it's kind of like because I've been on overnights for six years at that point, and after a two week vacation, I came back and I felt so good, and I was just like. Oh my goodness, I gotta go back to third shift. This is this is horrible. And it was horrible going back to third shift. And I just realized, okay, I've got to get off this. This is killing me. So uh I just had a sense that I was gonna be off of third shift from uh in May of 2023. And I believe that was from the Lord. And so I believed him for that. And I and I asked several people to pray in that regard, specifically about that date, May of 2023. I was gonna be off third shift. And so uh, I also asked a few people to pray specifically about me starting in an entrepreneurial endeavor uh, or freelancing, I guess would be a better way of putting it, um, to where I'm kind of running my own business. And so I asked a few people to pray about that even specifically, and then I moved forward and just trusted God to bring to bring it to pass and to work out the details. But throughout the year, I had to make some decisions. So in December of 2022, I had to give an answer if I was going to commit to uh, direct the Classical Conversations Foundations community again. I prayed about it, talked to my wife, we prayed about it, and we believed that uh, I should go ahead and direct again for the 2023-2024 year. So I I, uh, committed to direct that. In so doing, I had to turn down a uh, day shift opportunity at the employer I was at. And all the mind, all the while, I'm thinking about this May date in my mind, and I'm just thinking, no, I'm going to turn this down. And I obviously that was a decision I prayed about, and I I felt like it was the right thing to do, so I did. I told my boss when he offered me the day shift position that no, I'm uh, I I can't do it. I've got to direct this homeschool community, and I can't do that and day shift um, because we meet on a specific day through the week. So uh, I I would have to have that day off. So I asked I began, I asked more people to pray and gave more details and just said either I need a job with this specific schedule or I need something where I can kind of create my own schedule a little, little bit more. 
something that would work. And I had no idea what it would look like, but I asked, I asked some people to pray. I was praying, I was seeking the Lord and his will. And so December, I said I would uh, direct the Classical Conversations Community uh, Foundations and Essentials Program for the upcoming school year. And then all this time, I'm trying to think of something I can freelance for. Well, fast forward, make a long story shorter. Uh, it was getting towards the end of April, and I'm thinking, okay, God, nothing's on the horizon here. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I thought I was going to be off of third shift in in uh, May. Well, so one summer day, one spring day, I went mountain biking. So I, I actually had gotten up really on short sleep that day to uh, go to an event, and then I went mountain biking after that, and... I never do jumps, right? I love mountain biking. It's my favorite form of exercise besides backpacking, which you can, not a whole lot to do here where I live. So, um, yeah, mountain biking, I have an opportunity. We've got a great trail system here. And so I went mountain biking. But I, I never do jumps because I've got kids to support and I just don't know what I'm doing. And I'm, I normally ride by myself. So I didn't do, I, I don't normally do jumps, but... I got up to where I was good, had an exceptionally good ride, got up to where I normally turn around, and I just didn't feel like turning around. And there was, all there was was jumps besides turning around. And I thought, yeah, I'll do some jumps. Well, if you've listened to the podcast already then in the past, then you, you already know what happened. I biffed on a jump. Hey, that, that word dates me. I haven't heard anyone say biffed in a while. Anyway, I biffed on a jump and uh, pile-drived my shoulder into the ground and broke my collarbone out on the end, and it hurt, and uh, thank goodness that's all that was, uh, that was all that was broken, thank God, actually, and so, long story short, you already know, collarbone is healed, I've got clearance, I'm starting to work back up, and so, anyway, I instantly knew, hey, and this is the end of April 2023, I instantly knew, hey, I'm going to be off work for a little while. And so the the pain of the shoulder being broken was kind of offset and over overdone by knowing that I was going to be off work for a while and I was going to be on day shift uh, and I was going to be getting short-term disability, which I've paid into and my company's paid into. And so I was just like, sweet. I mean, God, please heal the shoulder. And he did. But I was off, I was just like that, uh, that was on April 25th, so just a few days short of May, you know, I was just trusting the Lord, and I was just like, okay, God, I, you know, I'll, I'll just keep punching the clock and doing third shift, if that's what you want for me, and uh, then, bam, just that fast, it was, no, here you go, this is how you're going to be on third shift, or off of third shift in May. And then the, and I was, all that time, I thought, man, I'm gonna, my brain's going to be clear, I'll be able to just brainstorm something that I can... Uh, make money with on my own, you know, I don't know. But I, I even asked a couple people to pray specifically about it during that time. Well, uh, I was healing, enjoyed the time off, had family out. Uh, of course, I was in a sling, couldn't really do a whole lot. But my awesome mom and my sister helped me change. They actually changed the belts on the, my mower and helped me install a dishwasher during that time. It was pretty I've got cool family. So fast forward again a little bit towards the end of May. May was winding down and I still, yeah, I actually contacted my employer about a date to go back to work. Uh, and so I, I was going to go back to work in June and I was like, oh man, Lord, thank you so much for the time off. But I, I was hoping that this this wasn't going to be going back to work, but I couldn't think of anything, and you know, I got bills to pay, and and uh, I felt obligated to not milk the short-term disability if I could get, get back to work and do some sort of light duty, like they were asking me, you know, they weren't asking me, they weren't pressuring me, but I felt obligated, um, they've been good to me, so I set the return to work date, and... Uh, told God, you know, it's in your hands. I trust you. If you want me to just go back and punch the clock on third shift, I'll continue to do that. Well, again, right after I had that conversation with God, like, I don't know, it had to be within the day, I get a call from my cousin. And 
this cousin is older than I am and more established in uh, business and stuff. And he has tried to recruit me for some jobs in the past, service jobs where it was full-time travel. Well, I had to turn those down because that's just not where I was at. And I, I prayed about him then and didn't feel like that was what I should do. Well, he gave, he presented an opportunity for me where he wanted a contract uh, worker to do jobs uh, here and there, but it was going to pay well enough. Hey, he was going to pay the bills. So praise the Lord. Again, I prayed about it, talked to my wife about it, called back, asked some questions. And uh, yeah, really, I don't know. I'm still kind of pinching myself because I... Yeah, it doesn't. It almost seems too good to be true. I'm still waiting for the, the catch. But uh, long story short, I took the opportunity. I now am a business owner. Actually, I'm, I was a business owner last year because, as a director, you are a business owner. You run it as a business, uh, even though in reality it's more like a ministry. But I'm an official business owner now, right to pay to feed my family. So yeah. It's been a busy, steep learning curve. I've loved being back on the learning curve. It's been great. Uh, I feel like I'm using my brain again. Um, but on the flip side, I don't get to listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't get to have time to uh, develop these podcasts. At least I haven't found a groove yet where I can have time to develop, to write these scripts for these podcasts. And uh, I've just been busy thinking about other things, and I haven't had time to think about the the liberty and uh, what it is, why you should care about it, and how to defend it, and uh, so that's that's basically the update. So I'm now trying to ramp up and get other clients and um, learn how to do the job I'm contracted for for my cousin and his business, and yeah, so it's been it's been a busy time. So that's the update. And I definitely just want to give praise to God because he just always comes through that way right when I kind of give up on in my own means. He always just comes through. And so all praise to Yahweh, our great God. All right, so now I'm excited to get into the second part of this day's episode and the first of the Enemies of Liberty series. And again, they're not going to be in any particular order. I've got a list of things I want to hit over the coming months, years, and they're not going to be specifically uh, where we're going to take time to just do Enemies of Liberty. They're going to be mixed in with the interviews that I still hope to do, maybe the historical readings, the uh, Voices of Liberty. And we'll take it as it comes, and I'm going to continue to put them out as best as I'm able. And I've avoided, I've kind of procrastinated putting these out. I've done a lot of thinking about them, but I'm a little bit apprehensive to go on my own kind of monologues here and have these discussions and plant a flag in the ground. At this point in the in history, this is what Andrew thought about this and uh, what he was able to put together. But even if I look back in the in the future and I think, wow, I was off on that, at least at least it's a it's kind of formational in who I am. You know, it's it's putting things together. It's part of the learning experience to use rhetorical skills to put this out there for presentation. So hopefully it's beneficial to you. And as I've said, this podcast is partly just me practicing rhetorical skills. So the first enemy of liberty that I want to look at is fear, specifically fear of man. So in classical conversations, I, as the director, have been learning a ton, and among those things I've learned are the 15 tools of learning, where they kind of break down how you learn any subject or any topic or any specimen that we're observing or anything like that. When we want to learn about something, we learn, we learn using these 15 tools of learning. So I want to kind of be taking us through that as I go through that. Also, there's a very helpful book that I'm going to lean on. I only listened to it called uh, How to Read a Book by Mortimer, Mortimer Adler. Highly recommend it. Uh, listening to that book, reading that book if you get a chance. It's very helpful. 
And both of these, uh, the book, The 15 Tools of Learning, they start out with definitions or coming to terms. So if we're not, if we're talking about a word, say Jesus, and we have different definitions of that word, then we're not having a conversation on the same level. So we've got to come to terms here. So we'll start out by defining fear. Okay, so simple Google definition of fear as a noun is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. And then as a verb, it can be be afraid of someone or something as likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. And there's so many ideas that tie in with fear. It's actually, I think it's a fairly uh, difficult topic to really pin down in a simple definition. But we'd uh, want to consider our comparison, like compare and contrast. What's it similar to? Similar synonyms, I guess, would be dread, anxiety, stuff like that. Again, it's fear is an emotion on one level. And so then we'd want to consider what's the opposite of fear. And I asked my family I was. I want to thank them ahead of time for their help in this because they were. I kind of talked about this in our family devotions today, and I asked them what what are the opposites of fear, and they they came up with faith, hope, and trust, and I can kind of see where they're going with that. And I was thinking opposite of fear would be um, joy and confidence, maybe. So then we'd want to consider the cause and effects. Of course, we we are afraid as mortals. We're afraid of things that are going to end our mortal life. We're afraid of things that are going to, going to afflict pain and discomfort, really. And that can be on any level. Maybe it could be discomfort physically. It could be discomfort emotionally. It could be discomfort mentally. You know, we'd rather just be on autopilot scrolling through our phones, being comfortable our whole life. And so uh, maybe having to think is uncomfortable. Maybe that's maybe that's a fear that we have subconsciously. Certainly there's there's different arenas that we could categorize fear into and we could think about fear almost like different tiers of like what level we're talking about. And I had my kids show me their best fear face when we were doing family devotions. So you can kind of imagine what a kid would look like with their fear face and you can imagine how you've looked when you're scared and you've, you've seen the the videos of people getting scared on YouTube and stuff. Always fun for a laugh. So I read a quote the other day that I kind of want to open this up with uh, from a guy named William Ellery Channing and I have no idea who that guy is and I didn't look him up because I don't don't really care. I might find out that he's some horrible person that just came up with this nugget. And even if that's the case, I'm going to use it because we're all flawed, and yet we all come up with uh, nuggets some once in a while. Or at least bad people do some. Never mind. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> uh, so here's the quote. I call that mind free, which protects itself against the usurpations of society, which does not cower to human opinions, which feels itself accountable to a higher tribunal than man's. I'm going to read that again, because I think it's really good. I call that mind free, which protects itself against the usurpations of society, which does not cower to human opinions, which feels itself accountable to a higher tribunal than man's. Again, I think that's a fantastic quote. And I got that, uh, I just saw that the other day when I opened up my Future of Freedom Foundation newsletter. They send out a great daily newsletter. And that they always have good quotes at the beginning. And I saw that. Thought, that is fantastic because it really hits on what I want to talk about today. Today, it I call that mind free, which protects itself against the usurpations of society, which does not cower to human opinions, which feels itself accountable to a higher tribunal than man's. Really, I think that encapsulates, I think, everything I want to talk about today. And so I'm going to actually use that as a kind of rough outline, but it's all interwoven. So we've got to kind of hit it all and then maybe go back and 
hit the outline. We'll see. We'll see. Well, I'm making this up somewhat as I go. And I also want to start off, kind of preface this all with kind of the the treatise of my podcast here that I haven't worked it all out yet, but the fact that true freedom is found in Jesus Christ, the man, God, Christ Jesus. And we're kind of working backwards from that. All right, so let's get into it. Full disclosure, it's been like two or three weeks since I recorded the first part of this podcast. I just ran out of time, couldn't get it out, so I missed August too. So now it's September, and I'm working to get this episode out. So I've had more time to think about it. So let's go ahead and get into it. We've already talked about the definition of fear. Now let's think about why we fear, okay? From from a biblical perspective and maybe a little bit of a philosophical perspective, when's the first time that someone feared? Well, you find that in the book of Genesis. And in chapter 3, there's the account of the fall of man, right? You know the story, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. And he tempted Eve. Eve ate of the forbidden fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the eyes, and so did Adam, then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God Oh, sorry, I messed that up. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. So there you have the first recorded fear in history. So again, came after the fall. And I think we can learn a little bit about human nature, about ourselves, about our own souls, and our own connection to God and the spiritual realm. So we see that fear entered after sin. And it says he was afraid because he was naked. And there's a whole other probably sermon or study that could be done on that But I think I'm fairly safe in saying that he was afraid because of guilt. He was afraid because of he was conscious of the altered relationship between God and him. He was guilty, right? He had eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he knew he had done evil. He had done something that was prohibited to him, and he was guilty. And that is where the fear comes from. And that has been passed down, depending on your theology, but what I believe is that the sin nature is passed down through the male, and we inherit a sin nature. Everybody that's been born with a physical dad has inherited that sin nature, and therefore has an inherent guilt and fear with that. And you think about how prevalent fear is in the world, right? Fear is the foundation of most governments. That's a John Adams quote, one of our founding fathers. And Michael Bolden always likes to say, fear, he would scratch out most and just say, fear is the foundation of government. Well, that's probably true. Fear is also a known motivator used by the media, by uh, rulers, tyrants, what have you, really I believe it's all rooted in this broken relationship with God. So thinking about to that thesis I mentioned earlier about true freedom is found in Christ, well, why would that be? And again, this is going to tie into the fear of man, but I'm trying to think about the root of the problem here. So there's another term I want to bring in here that you've heard called the fear of God. It's all through the Bible, right? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of understanding. It's uh, the beginning of of knowledge, okay? It's a starting place. And if you think about, right, as you look around, as a human, 
in this world that God created, especially when you get out to nature, when you get away from all the man-made stuff in the city, if you're honest with yourself, it screams, there is a God and you are accountable to him. Okay, I believe that is what's going on. Read Romans 1. Okay, Romans 1.20, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. People are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And also throw in there that verse that says, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Okay, so back to this concept of the fear of God, the fear of the Lord. Okay, so what are we talking about there? Well, going back to the garden, realizing that their relationship with God had been severed, okay? Because sin, in a way, so God said, there's, in the day that you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. Well, obviously, he didn't die physically that day, but there was a spiritual death, in a sense. There was a separation, right? Death is a separation, right? And there was a spiritual separation. And we, mankind has been feeling that ever since. We, The Bible says we're dead in trespasses and sins until we're regenerated by the Holy Spirit, right? So, there's that spiritual death because God, Yahweh, is so holy. He is exalted above the heavens. He created everything. He is completely without problems, without sin. He's totally holy. So, any, any sin cannot be in relationship with him. And so we think about that broken relationship, and when you consider the heavens, the heavens declare the glory of God, the heavens being the sky above, the earth, the mountains for me, I love the mountains, the birds, it just screams, there is a God and you're accountable to him. And when you let that sink into your soul, you realize, I am accountable to this God I need a mediator. I cannot come to him on my own because I could never be good enough, right? And there's all sorts of verses to back that up, right? There's none that doeth good, no, not one. All have sinned, Romans 6.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, okay? And intuitively, we know that there's a penalty. There's guilt involved, because we know we are not acceptable to God on our own terms, okay? We want to be little gods to ourselves, right? We love darkness rather than light because our deeds are evil. But in terms of our relationship with God, we know we're not fit to come before him. All right, and so God's made a way. In the Old Testament, there was a covering for sin. There was a atoning sacrifice, a sacrificial system that God gave to a specific people in the Old Testament. The Israelite, the Israel, the nation of Israel had the sacrificial system, right? And that was a picture of what was to come, right? Intuitively, again, when you let it sink into your soul and you read the scripture, that we have now, you understand there has to be a blood sacrifice, right, for atonement, for a total covering of this sin. That's why God in, in Genesis, after after they he found that Adam and Eve had wrapped themselves in fig leaves, <clears throat> excuse me, he made them animal coverings, right? Well, obviously an animal had to die for God to make these animal skin coverings for them then that was the acceptable covering for their nakedness. And I think there's an analogy between nakedness and guilt <clears throat> in the context there. Again, excuse me. Okay, so we understand our guilt. <clears throat> the only way to come to God, friend, is begging for mercy. Because truly, it would need we need mercy. Because there is no way to get 
back to God on our own. And that is what your soul as a human is begging for, is to be reunited with the Creator, your spirit. You are not just physical. Your spirit is longing for reunion with its Creator, with the God of the universe who holds him, holds all things together, right? So we come to God in a spirit of mercy, and that is the fear of the Lord. When we rightly understand the wages of sin is death, we come to God, we beg for mercy. And guess what, friend? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You start there and the world opens up to you and you find. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ was given as that sacrifice, the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Well, the sins have been paid for by the one who did not inherit the sin, the guilt, through the fatherly line, right? Jesus was born of a virgin, is prophesied, what, 600 years prior. He's born of a virgin, virgin birth, didn't have an earthly dad, right? Didn't inherit that, lived a perfect, sinless life, and willingly, even though in his humanity, he was 100% man in his humanity. He didn't want to go through the suffering, physically or spiritually, that was going to happen on the cross. Because he never did anything wrong. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine, Father. And he yielded himself to the Father's will. Died on the cross for you and me. That is the covering, just like the animal garments were a temporary covering for the nakedness and the guilt in the garden. That is the way we get back to God. We realize that Jesus Christ came in the fullness of time. God had this planned out from eternity past to eternity forward. No, it's not fair that a perfect, sinless person should die for me. Like, it's not, it's not fair, but God is just in his sovereignty. God is completely just. I don't know if I can apply the term fair, because fair is an object, is a uh, subjective determination. And like Paul says in Romans, God says through Paul in Romans, what is it, nine? Uh, will you say to me then, why does he still find fault for who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God, Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out the same lump into one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable youth? use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath, to make known his power, has endured with much patience, patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy? which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Okay, we're not God. We don't understand things from his eternal, sovereign perspective. He is sovereign over the universe. And I just thank God that I get to be in relationship with him. It's not up to me to understand everything, but it is quite simply up to me to understand that there is a God, and I am accountable to him, and I can't come to him on my own terms, right? But praise God, he made a way that I can be in relationship with him. I can be in right relationship. I can be justified in his sight through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, right? So all that to say that when you come to God, begging for mercy. When you come to God in a spirit of right understanding of how messed up you are, how holy God is, how big God is, how little you are, guess what? You're on the right track. It's the beginning of understanding. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. It's the treasure 
of Zion, I read in Isaiah today in chapter 33, and I just want to read one of my favorite Psalms, okay? Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, or in the KJV, steadfast love, kesed is translated, it's kesed in Hebrew is translated as mercy, okay? He's abounding in mercy or steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, it is gone, and this place knows it no more. But the steadfast of love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children. Okay, you come to God with the right respect, the fear of God, because you understand that without God's mercy, then you're already dead. You're condemned already, the Bible says. He who, who believes not is condemned already. Okay? And for thousands of years before Christ, it wasn't all that clear. There was a specific set of people that were supposed to show forth the riches of God's mercy to the world. It didn't work out that well. Okay? But God in his sovereignty, in his wisdom of planning this from eternity past, okay, he worked it out so Jesus came and he worked out that Andrew was born 1950 some odd years after Jesus died, after Jesus paid that penalty, okay? And I'm just thankful. I don't have to find fault. I don't have to try and nitpick God's wisdom. It's unsearchable and he's infinite, and I am very, very finite, okay? But we're talking about liberty on this podcast, right? So how does this tie into liberty? Well, I'm glad you asked. So on one level, it should be obvious at this point, if the first fear came into the world after that relationship with God, that union, communion with God was severed in the Garden of Eden after the fall of man, that's when fear entered the world, Right? Ever since, mankind has been a slave to sin, right? Because they were already dead, spiritually. Well, Christ makes that that possible, that reunion possible, right? He's a mediator, the, the one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's made that possible. And the, the several, the few, I don't know how many before Christ came to God with that proper fear of the Lord before their eyes, where they knew there is no way I'm getting back to God on my own terms. Like they, You can't do it. It's foolish, but come to God with mercy. And I have to just, I believe, I could be wrong, I'm not a theologian, but I believe that the people who understood that back then, before Christ, that came to God, maybe even the ones that, I mean, that were not Israelites, but you think about the, the non-Israelite people who were counted, uh, what's what's it say in Hebrews 11, that were counted righteous, um, counted for righteousness. There was a lot of them that weren't necessarily Israelites, okay? I think it's because they realized, I'm in trouble. Well, even Rahab, right? Rahab, realized, I'm in trouble. Everyone's melting in fear, okay? Well, she at least had the wisdom to say, ain't nothing I'm going to do on my own. I need mercy, okay? And she bargained <laughs> wisely for her family's safety, okay? I, I think she's in the hall of faith there in Hebrews chapter 11. I could be mistaken. Anyway, where was I going with that? Right, so uh, Christ brings freedom because the reunion with God, right? Fear is gone. 
when fear should be gone, when we're in right relationship with God, right? And because we still have that fear of God, we understand the fear of God changes. Once you come to God rightly in the fear of God and you understand how small you are and how big he is, and I've gone over that, I don't mean to belabor it, but once you understand that and you understand furthermore the way that God has made for us to be in communion with him through his son, Jesus Christ, and you place your faith in Jesus Christ, then you get to claim Psalm 103. Okay, And in the Old Testament before Christ, I, I believe that David, you know, the, the people that did come to God rightly in the fear of the Lord, the way on his terms, that is to say, through his law, right, through the way that he set forth, you come to God rightly, then you get to claim Psalm 103, okay? God pities us. He has mercy upon us. He's plenteous, bountiful in grace, uh, plenteous in mercy. I, I think I mixed those up, but you get the idea. All right. And so then we get to claim him as our heavenly father, right? Because we're adopted into his family Okay, because we're adopted through his son, Jesus, right? Because God sees the righteousness of his son when he looks upon us, right? From that covering blood sacrifice, right? Praise God. I'm adopted. Hallelujah. I'm a child of the king, right? And now that big God who created the world is now, I mean, I don't want to be sacrilegious, but to get my point across, he's on your side, like he's in your corner, okay? Now, Obviously, you got to be in God's corner. It's not like, because God doesn't change. So, woe to him who says, you know, yes, sinful me, God's in my corner. But you get the idea. We're adopted, okay? Uh, that's where you get the courage for all these stories throughout the Bible. You get the courage for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go before Nebuchadnezzar when they failed to bow before this golden idol, okay? And the music played, and they didn't bow, and Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm going to throw you in the fire, <laughs> and it's going to be really hot. <laughs> I'm having too much fun with this. Uh, so, And they said, we're not careful to answer you, O king. God is able to save us from the fiery furnace, but if not, we're not going to obey you. Okay, Why? Because it was wrong to worship something other than Yahweh, that's why, because they had a right perspective, and that's what this whole fear thing is about, perspective. That's what the fear of God is about, perspective, okay? And that trickles down. Once you get the fear of God right, it should cast out all other fear, including the fear of man. There's another verse somewhere I can't remember off the top of my head, if God be for us, who can be against us, right? You get that you get that, you get to claim that when you come to God rightly, okay? And with that, keep short sin accounts with God. Keep, you know, make sure there's, make sure you're tied into the vine. Make sure you're communing with him as your heavenly father, right? All right, and so also on the, the fear of God, that original quote that I, that I opened up with here, and again, I have no idea if Mr. Channing is speaking exclusively of the judgment account in the Bible, right? But that's my belief, and I believe it's the truth, so that's what I'm going with. But he said, I'm going to read the quote again. I call that mind free, which protects itself against the usurpations of society, which does not cower to human opinions, which feels itself accountable to a higher tribunal than man's. Okay? There it is. We must obey God rather than man. That's also in the Bible, right? When Peter was told not to preach the gospel, he said, we ought to obey God rather than man. And that's where, that's what it's talking about. That's what I feel like Mr. Channing is talking about here. That mind is free, which feels itself accountable to a higher tribunal than man's. It's not licentiousness, where you feel yourself accountable to no one, where you make yourself a god, where you bow down before your own 
idol of your own corruptible flesh, but you feel yourself accountable to a higher tribunal than man's. Okay? We will all give account. There is a God, and you are accountable to him. Fear of God. It it's all tied in here. I don't know if I'm if I'm making a mess of this or not, but I'm gonna keep going. And we're going to now get into where it ties into the fear of man, right? So I think a great example of this is, a great thing to think about here is Matthew chapter 10. I memorized this verse earlier this year, and actually last year in the King James Version. I'm going to read it in my ESV here. Uh, I'm getting a little rusty. I need to brush back up on them. But Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. All right. And that's chapter 11. Also a great verse. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Who's who's the one that can destroy both body and soul in hell? You can tell I've been having family devotions with my little children, asking all these questions, but it's good for all of us. God, obviously, God is the one who has power over the soul, over the spiritual realm, right? Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even of the hairs, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. I always get kind of chuckle inside when I read that, like... Yes, I'm glad. I feel like I'm more valuable than many sparrows, but again, it's all about perspective. I'm, I'm backed up by Jesus. I am more, more valuable than many sparrows. It just makes me chuckle when I read it. So, again, fear of man. It's, a, they're antith- it's the antithesis, okay? They, it's almost like two things on a scale. You fear God, your fear of man's going to go down. You have fear of man, your fear of God's obviously gone down. Because, again, if God be for us, who can be against us? And, again, the verse just comes to mind, perfect love casts out fear. Do you remember uh, earlier this year, or maybe it was last year, I think I finished up last year with the sermon from Samuel Davies. He was giving a message to these people who are about to go march into battle to defend the western lands, okay, during the Spanish, uh, yeah, the, not the Spanish-American War, the French and Indian War, right, the the greater global conflict known as the Seven Years' War, right? So they're going to def- defend the western lands, and he gave, here's a little quote from the sermon, you can go back and listen to the whole thing, I recommend it back in December if you didn't listen to it. Account this, and he's saying, knowing Christ as your Savior, to paraphrase, Account this the best preparative to encounter danger and death, the best incentive to true, rational courage. What can do you a lasting injury while you have a reconciled God smiling upon you from on high, a peaceful conscience animating you within, and a happy immortality just before you? Sure, you may bid defiance to dangers and death in their most shocking forms. You have answered the end of this life already by preparing for another— And how can you depart off this mortal stage more honorably than in the cause of liberty, of religion, and your country? I love that quote. I love that whole sermon. But he's right. It's all about perspective, right? If you know, you get, if you know, you just get to close your physical eyes and keep living spiritually in eternity, right? You're present with the God who made all this wonderful stuff down here. And it's, you know, it makes you just, yeah, sure, you're going to have a mortal fear of death. But, man, it gives you that perspective to be courageous, right? And courage is another side of the same coin here. I don't know how many sides this coin has that I'm talking about. But courage, I love the John Wayne quote, is being scared to death and saddling up anyway, right? Because Doggone it. Liberty takes courage. It just does. The preservation to defend liberty takes courage. You have to be willing to stand up 
say what needs to be said, defend an objective truth, and bear the consequences. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, it's wrong to bow down to this idol. I won't do it. And they were willing to accept the consequences. I mean, Martin Luther was willing to pick his fight with the church and say, no, you're wrong, and I refuse to recant on his 95 Thesis. And look, the the courage that it took to do that is what it takes to defend liberty today. So in our theme, our motto of this podcast, what liberty is, how to... uh, why you should care about it and how to defend it. Well, that's how you defend it. It takes courage, right? But courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is being afraid and doing what needs to be done anyway, which, like Samuel Davies says, what better, I mean, that's the best courage giver you're going to get is knowing that God, again, already disclaimed the comment, but that God is in your corner. Davies just said it, smiling down, upon you from on high, right? You have a reconciled God. Again, reconciliation. That's reunion. What I was talking about earlier, we've been made right. We've been justified through that sacrifice of Jesus. It's freeing. It's freeing that you can say what your soul knows to be right, to be objectively true. You can speak it No, that's not right to bow down to that. No. You know, whatever needs to be said, whatever the Holy Spirit is telling you needs to be said, you can say it because you know you ought to obey God rather than man. Talking about perspective too, I'm reminded about the Bible story of Elisha when he had his servant, uh, I think it was Gehazi was the guy's name, and they were up against this big army. There was this big encamped army or army ready to march against him. And Gehazi was getting ready to pee his pants, I think. Um, Of course, this is a paraphrase. And uh, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes. And all of a sudden, Gehazi could see all the angels and chariots of fire just waiting, just surrounding him. That... you know, somehow in that miraculous moment, he was able to see a spiritual reality. It's not like the chariots appeared and they weren't already there. They're already there. It's just God allowed his physical eyes to see the spiritual world somehow, you know, like like you see throughout the Bible and you hear stories of throughout history. And that's, again, it's perspective. What he saw, what he understood was able to give him courage that he was going to mortally be okay. And it's very similar with us today. So the Bible says the fear of man brings a snare. I think that's Proverbs 29, 25. Okay, it's something that can capture you. Okay, it happens to all of us. Don't feel bad. You're human. It happens. We all get captured by fear fear of man. But I think that, again, is you can to go back to my, my quote from Mr. William Ellery Channing, Channing, which protects itself against the usurpations of society. And I think what that's talking about is how society, the tribalism, and just thinking about what people think about us, because we're, in, a lot of, in a lot of ways we're all like that monkey experiment where they had the monkeys with a banana and they would with the banana at the top of the pole, and, and they, the scientists would spray these monkeys down when they try to get to the pole, and then eventually they would introduce new monkeys, and the new monkeys would try and go get the bananas. They wouldn't have to spray them down because all the other monkeys would tear them down, and it wouldn't let them get to the bananas. And eventually they had all new monkeys in there, and none of them had been sprayed down in their entire lives, but they wouldn't. none of them would let them get to the pole to get climb the pole to get the uh, bananas and I don't think they knew why and that's just the way we are that's the way we we operate is kind of like those monkeys where we just want to 
We want to do what everybody else does, even though we don't know why, necessarily. And that fear of man brings a snare, right? Snare, you could say slavery, right? It captures you. It takes away your freedom. That's fundamentally what a snare does. It takes away your freedom. It's an enemy of liberty. And, like I said, when you put that on a balance against fear of God, if you get the right perspective, then the fear of man is displaced. I saw this, and I struggled with this so much during COVID, the the whole COVID thing. I mean, I think we've been psyoped as a society. It's uh, You talk about the usurpations of society. I think our whole culture has been psyoped, and uh, man, I felt it. The whole face mask thing, which personally I thought was baloney from day one, the fact that, you know, a little micron is supposed to be able to be caught by a stupid cloth mask. It's so stupid. I don't want to get into all that. But I I wore a mask. <laughs> and even when I didn't have to, sometimes I wore a mask because I, you know, didn't want to be yelled at by Karens. No offense if any of your name is Karen. But it was a fear of man, you know. And also I, I think there's a respect... There's a respect for people that goes in there, and I'm not insinuating that you're a bad person if you wore a mask at all. I'm just, because like I said, I did. But uh, it was a hard thing. It was a really hard thing. But I think a lot of people kind of woke up through that. A lot of them didn't. A lot of them are still asleep. But that was a big wrestling with the fear of man and all of that stuff, because there was stuff that objectively, rationally, we knew to be true that we were told to suppress and ignore. And that's not natural. That's not a spirit of freedom. It's actually the opposite of that. And so just remember, first of all, the Bill of Rights doesn't list your rights. It limits the power of the government. But very specifically, the, the federal government only has the powers granted in the Constitution. I suggest you go read it. But very specifically, the pow- the rights that are listed in the, De- the Bill of Rights shall not be infringed, okay? And even the Tenth Amendment says that, it says specifically, all the powers not enumerated in the Constitution are reserved to the states or the people thereof. So your right to free speech, right? You say your First Amendment rights. Well, okay, you have a right to free speech, but what good is it if you don't speak? If you self-censor, what good is it? You're, you're taking away your own freedom by your fear. Be courageous. Stand up. Speak truth. Share the gospel. If you're, if you're a believer, share the gospel. If you're not a believer, call... Well... I'm not going to give you my number here, but you can email mindyourliberty at gmail.com. I'd love to give you more information. And if you are a believer, like I said, share the gospel. Share truth in general. If something you understand to be rationally correct, rationally true, then stand up for it. Learn how to have disagreements with people peacefully. Because if you don't, if you just keep self-censoring yourself, that's going to create angst in you because you're snaring yourself. The fear of man is snaring your your own soul. And it's going to build up until hmm, either you're depressed or there's going to be some sort of outburst at some point, And that's not conducive because then that's violence, which is another enemy of liberty. So... I mean, violence in some contexts is an enemy of liberty. Anyway, you get the idea. Learn to disagree peacefully. Learn to develop develop your own opinions and give reasons for them, and then speak them when the time is right. If you disagree, say so. If you witness something wrong happening, not just something overtly wrong, like a you know somebody beating a child in the street. Of course, I think we all would like to believe we'd stand up for that. But uh, when something nefarious is is being trying to be passed through your legislature, you 
are supposed to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And I believe that is your civic duty to, you know, vote or call your legislature, have your say in the government that God's put you in. Give what is expected of you, just like, you know, might have been a denarius back in the day. That doesn't exactly equate to today. Today, we live in a constitutional republic where every person has a freedom, has a duty to be a civic participant. And it doesn't just mean voting. So I kind of got off on a rabbit trail there. I just passed the one hour mark on this. Hopefully the audio comes out. I'm in a hotel room. I've got my uh, microphone tied to my coffee maker in my hotel room as a microphone stand. Hopefully it's worked out okay. Hopefully I've communicated why fear and the fear of man is an enemy of liberty. Hopefully it's been somewhat thought-provoking. And I don't know, maybe send me your ideas, send me your feedback, mindyourliberty at gmail.com. Maybe I'll take some questions. If you send me some insight, tell me I'm wrong on something. I'll think about it, talk about it in the next episode. I don't know when the next episode is. I'd love to say it's going to be in October. For sure I'm getting one out in November, but it's going to continue to be busy. So thanks for listening to my testimony about what God's doing in my life. Thanks for listening to me talk about the enemy of liberty. Like I said, speak truth and think about your liberty, care about your liberty, defend your liberty and the liberty of your posterity, those that come after you, your neighbors, love your neighbor as yourself, which is the fulfillment of the whole law, according to Galatians chapter 3, I think. Love your neighbor by defending your liberty and their liberty. So to put it in the way I always finish these podcasts, mind your liberty.